Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yes, indeed. And I am joined by Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Teresa, good to see you again. Good to see you, Denny. I've missed you. Well, thank you. That's a list of one. (laughs) (laughs) So That's great. Uh, We have a good time when Teresa shows up and you help so many listeners. And I know how appreciative they are as well. So if you do have a question... For, again, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, now's your chance. In fact, it's the same number. I heard the other number, but let's do this. The phone number and the text number are identical. Did you know that? Amazing. 651-989-9226. I know it's a couple more numbers. That's okay. You guys can handle it. I know they can. 651-989-9226. Both the text and the phone call were already starting to get And you know if you just set it up on your phone as as a speed dial? Or oh. whatever that, those they call that, then you don't even have to worry about the numbers. You just hit just number hit one, it. and there you go. And there's your and Bob's your uncle's and Bob's it. your uncle or okay. Denny's your your right. call or whatever. Now uh, you and I were talking about it's it's it always comes around so quickly. It does. You and I were saying we mentioned that phrase state fair. Yeah. And oh, I thought we were going to talk about school starting. No, 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 no. <laughs> no we won't. Do, no, we no, won't nobody do wants to hear we that. We don't want yet. to hear that. Especially no. teachers. They don't want to hear <laughs> the that. Teachers, the teachers. <clears> the <throat> parents me. are going, yes, please, yes. yes, please. But the state fair is around the corner, mm-hmm. and you reminded me that there are master gardeners be there master as well. There gardeners there just waiting for your questions. Um, now, this where is, are they? I mean, they will have. They're in the Hort building. Okay, that, that, cool that makes sense. That cool white octagonal building um, uh, right by the haunted house over there. And, and the master gardeners, we get this opportunity every year, and it's like a, a mad scramble. It's like a piranha feeding as soon as it goes <laughs> up on the website. Everybody just jumps in and. And the Master Gardeners just love it, and they they come from all over the different counties, and they just love to talk to the people and, and meet other Master Gardeners there. So you'll have different counties there. It's amazing. And Master Gardeners love to inform, right? Master Gardeners love to talk plants. They love to talk, you know, insects, turf, plants, diseases. They love talking to people and educating them and sharing the information, hearing what you have to say. And then we also have the dirt stage over there, which is just across the horticulture building. And so there's all kinds of cool presentations, lots of master gardeners. I know Larry's going to be out there with his hydroponics, and I'll be out there with like two or three or four different talks. And, and there's just a lot of stuff going on out there. So, so. And then Plus, you can probably there'll be the first Kiss Apple out there. Oh, yeah. Developed by the Arbor Beacon. That kind of went by quickly yeah. last year, the first it year. It does. It does. That's the first, um, the first apple that ripens in Minnesota. Yeah. So it was developed by the Arboretum. And so far, only commercial growers can grow those trees. Hmm. And you probably have heard of the the apple rave. But it's the same thing as First Kiss, but grown, it is. In, a different, but grown in a different state. How about that? So it's going to taste a little different. So it's just like um, the other one that everybody loves, the Honeycrisp. Honey crisp. Yeah. If you want Honeycrisp, you want the Honeycrisp that's grown in Minnesota. That's the one that tastes developed for Minnesota. The way it's supposed to. Yep, yep. Yeah. The way it's supposed to. All right. 
All right, we'll talk. I know we'll be talking about State Fair, and in fact, mm-hmm. I'm sure that Julie and Mary Julie will and be Mary, out there too. They have too. it all organized sure. I'm, I'm on hoping. the CCO booth. Mm-hmm. And sure. they, then you can actually see what these people look like. Yeah, yeah. And, and ask them questions. They're beautiful ladies, and they you are. can talk to them. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, should we put you to work? Please. All right, let's get to the phones. Then we'll grab some text messages. Wayne is calling from Somerset, I believe. Wayne, you're on uh, CCO. Good morning. Yes. Can you hear me? Good morning, Just Wayne. Just fine. Perfectly. Okay. See, I've got a question. Uh, I've got two gardens, <clears throat> and I'm not getting, and i got summer squash, zucchini, cucumbers, butternut squash, and acorn squash, and I do not get very much production, and I'm wondering. I don't see the bees like I used to see. Mm-hmm. The only good thing, and probably not for the turkeys, but I'm, I haven't had a wood tick yet this year either. <laughs> so. Well, that's nice, and you might have some possums out there. They're taking care of your yeah, wood ticks, uh, and too. And then my other question is, is there anything I can do? Can I get a toothbrush and go from flower to flower, yep. which I don't think I can do? Yep. But what what you need to do is get a little a little Q tip, and um, you can actually even just pick one of the male flowers, and you'll know the male flower because it won't have a little bul- bulge at the bottom. The bulge at the bottom is the ovary for the female flower that actually becomes the fruit or the vegetable. So take one of the male flowers and just pick it and just go around and pop it onto the female flowers. Um, and then do whatever you can to bring the bees back into your into your um, your garden. Uh, plant a lot of flowers, and you want to plant things that bloom all season long. And by that, I mean things that bloom in the spring and then something in the summer and then especially something in the fall because you want the bees to say, hey, I can go to Wayne's Garden anytime and get food. So then they just get used to coming there and, oh, look, there's squash blossoms. We can, we can get food from those too. And that will keep them coming all the time. Don't use pesticides or if you do use insecticides and pesticides, use them very carefully and follow the instructions. Always remember the label is the law. Very good. Thank you, Wayne. Uh, Miller's uh, calling from Golden Valley with a uh, question for uh, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Uh, Miller, good morning. Good morning. morning. I have two questions. My first is uh, in about cottonwood trees. We live in the middle of Golden Valley, and right next to us is about an acre and a half of trees. (laughs) I think it's owned by uh, the city or the state. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, we are keeping getting cottonwood, um, you know, just keeping coming. Mm-hmm. And usually it's only June for maybe two weeks, mm-hmm. but this comes and it's been since June like almost every other week. Yeah. And um, I was wondering about that. And my second mm-hmm. question was what, about between my house and the neighbor's house, uh, the line there, there's a bush. And we don't know what it is. It's, it's uh, probably about six foot high. And it, it's beautiful in the early, early spring with white um, with white flowers, it's really beautiful, but I was just wondering when I can prune that. Okay. And mm-hmm. All right, that sounds great. Okay, first of all, for the cottonwood, um, they could just be um, uh, um, f- seeding really heavy again this year. Uh, you know, if it happens every year, I guess you're just going to have to deal with it. But um, normally trees just all kind of do the same thing. It's amazing. They all do the same thing, so they all fruit or or seed really heavy the same year. It's just really amazing. Um, so, so there's not much you can really do with all the cottonwoods. And as for the other one, it's probably a mock orange, I'm guessing, and that has already set its blossoms for next year. So any pruning you do now, you'll be cutting off next year's flowers. So you want to prune that. Anything that blooms really in the, early in the spring, your azaleas, rhodes, um, mock oranges, all of those, uh, lilacs, as soon as they finish pr- blooming, 
that's when you want to prune them because then they'll set um, their flowers on the new growth that year. Otherwise, you're cutting off the flowers. If you don't care that you're cutting off flowers, go ahead and prune it. I'm trying to think of another uh, bush, not in my yard, but in the neighbors down the block. Uh, am I thinking of a bridal wreath? Mm, yep, that could be it too. Yep, you're right. You're right. The, the Okay, so the mock orange has bigger flowers that are fragrant. And the bridal wreath just has these long streamers of flowers. And, and it's early and then it goes and away. they're early. <laughs> and it's a spirea and that one too. Oh, it is a spirea. That's a spirea too. But that one is one of the weird ones that sets its blossoms right after or flowers for next year right after. Whereas mm. like if you have the other spireas, you can prune them anytime. They'll yeah. just keep flowering. But the bridal respirea, it looks like it's um, a big fountain of flowers. Yes, good way so, of putting it. So if you see a fountain of flowers, it's probably the bridal respirea. Thanks, Denny. I forgot no, about that. No, I, I was just picturing see, it. See, Denny knows everything. No, no. It's the only thing He's I remember. amazing. Yes, amazing. <laughs> I tell you, before we break, let's go to Catherine, who's calling in from uh, Blaine, I believe. Good morning, Catherine. Hey, Catherine. Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Yes, I bought some daylilies, Teresa, and I... Um, I wanted to plant them. Will they bloom yet this year, or is it going to be next year? Um, it, it depends on what they are and how big they are. If they're just a little, if it depends on how much, how big it is. So plant it up. They'll probably bloom this year if they're big enough. If it's just a little tiny set, you might not have enough um, energy, or it might not have enough energy to bloom this year. But that's okay. If it doesn't, just make sure you give a nice compost, nice organic soil, treat it like a sweet little baby, and next year it'll just flower like a maniac. All right. Very good. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks. We're going to take a quick break here. We have more callers. Callers on the line, don't go away. We're going to come right back. And texters will pick up on those questions as well. Same number for calls and texts, 651-989-9226. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO Radio. Danny Long here with Master Gardener, Teresa Rooney. And as usual, Teresa, not a stranger to a lot of phone calls <laughs> and text messages. Let's grab a text and then okay, we'll, we'll get to the folks that have been waiting. A uh, texter says, I have a beehive in the roots of an apple tree. Will they kill the tree? Um, no, it's, it's no. You, you Okay, so you have a nest in there. Um, it's not going to kill the tree. Um, it, they're there. They're just an opportunistic, so they're there because it's a nice sheltered space. The damage to the tree has been done. They don't do any additional damage. However, um, if there is a hole in the tree or whatever, there could be an issue later on. But the bees or the hornets or the wasps, they aren't going to do any damage. So you're okay. Just, just Maybe just don't bug them because they might be a little testy if you bother them. It's a good idea. Yeah, it's always a good idea. Yes. Yeah. Especially this time of year when you get into the August and the wasps and the, and the hornets, they get a little more aggressive. They do. So it's just, I mean, they're getting ready and they're, they're getting their meat and they need the protein and you just don't want to be bugging them. <laughs> to use to, to, to co- use the quite term. a phrase, yes. <laughs> All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, Sharon is calling uh, from Stanchfield, I believe. Uh, Sharon, good morning. Thanks for calling. Good morning, Sharon. Hi. My daughter has a Christmas cactus, and she was telling me that um, when she waters it, it comes back to life, and then the uh, leaves are real pale green. Okay. And... She don't know what to do with it. Okay. What I would, what I first of all would make sure that it's in a pot that drains, 
and that um, that it is a Christmas cactus, just to make sure that it really is a Christmas cactus. And it's in a pot that drains. Give it a little more sunshine. It can take an east or a southeast window, um, a west window with maybe a little bit of protection. Even setting it outside in bright shade is fantastic. Um, and then uh, you want, so it might be a little hungry. Um, by that, I just mean maybe the soil doesn't have any, any nutrition in it. So you may want to give it a light fertilizer of just your regular plant food. Follow the instructions. Uh, liquid or would probably be the easiest that will get in there fastest. Um, and those people with Christmas cactuses, you may want to think about if they're outside or putting them outside where they can get some cool air into September because with the change in the temperature at night, that will help set those buds. So if you're if you have your your Christmas cactus, they need that difference. But and your our orchids would do well too, like that. No, oh, very good. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, let's go to Bruce, who's calling uh, from Roseville, I believe. Uh, Bruce, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hi, Bruce. Good morning. I've got a patch of raspberries. It's probably ten feet by fifteen feet. Uh, over fifteen years, it was giving wonderful berries. In the last few years, it's dropped off. Uh, and this year, uh, it's down to essentially nothing. Okay. Uh, Do the plants look healthy? Uh, they look healthy, but they got eaten down by deer, apparently. Okay. <laughs> and now they're only maybe 18 inches high okay. instead of four feet. Well, what what I would suggest doing is go to the um to the uh, to the website extension.umn.edu and click on the garden tab. That's always a good place to start. Um, raspberries need full sun, so you want to make sure they're still in full sun. Sometimes our trees grow a little tall, and we don't realize they're getting less sun. Raspberries are heavy feeders, so you want to give them some nutrition. Organ- uh, compost is a wonderful thing to add to them. It will tell you how to prune them. Um, and if you know that they're getting full sun and they're getting nutrition um, and the plants look healthy, you should be seeing some blossoms next year and you should get some more fruit next year. And do protect them from the deer because the deer will eat them, as you know. Um, Japanese beetles also love them. Hmm. All right. So good luck. Uh, Bruce is talking about raspberries, and I think Judy has a connected uh, question in uh, St. Paul. Judy, you're uh, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hi, Judy. Hi, thank you. Um, yes, I am concerned about the Drosophila yeah, larvae yeah. that are mm-hmm. in our raspberries. Yeah. And I did look on the website, Good. but I it just wasn't clear to me whether these are really safe to eat. You know, they our are. grandkids like to just go out yeah. and pick them and eat them. Mm-hmm. And now I'm concerned about that, and I also make jelly in the fall. Okay. Um, you know, it's just you're going to be eating maggots. Oh. That's the, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a little extra protein. Um, you can freeze them, and it stops the, the rotting, and, and it obviously will kill the maggots or kill the, the eggs before they even hatch. But, yeah, the, the Drusilla or the SWD, um, not to be concerned with the DS, not to be confused with DSW shoes, but the SWD is, um, is another invasive insect that we have to worry about. Mm. And um, the website do, does have a good, good um, uh, information on it. And also the Yard and Garden newsletter, the newsletter, you need to sign up for that, and there's a wonderful article in the newsletter. How do you do it. that? How do you sign up? Uh, go to the Yard and Gardens, uh, the extension.umn.edu, click on the Garden tab, and sign up for the newsletter. And there's great articles in there this time. Um, uh, new, new invasive, another invasive, viburnum leaf beetles. 
Old Joy. And um, then the, the SWDs and all kinds of really great information on there. Extension.umm.edu. Mm-hmm. We'll mention that again yep. like we always like to do. Yep. Uh, Texter says this, uh, mature pine trees in the yard covered with green mold slash fungus, the lower branches dying with no new growth. How to prevent the spread of that, you think? I would get a certified yeah. arborist in there. Good idea. Because you're looking at big trees. You're looking at your whole yard. Um, there's obviously a disease issue going on, and I think a certified arborist would be your best bet to look at it in, in the situation and see what's going on. All right, tell you what, Ed is calling in from Bloomington, I believe, with a question. Go ahead, Ed. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, I have a couple of questions, one about hydrangeas and one about daylilies. I've admired these this time of year all over public places, and when I went to shop for them, I was kind of overwhelmed with the different uh, varieties of hydrangeas. There are the Bloomstruck, the Summercrest, the mm-hmm. Seaside, mm-hmm. Serenade, and when I talked to the salespeople, they said they're really difficult to grow. You have to have perfect conditions. Well, I don't know what the conditions are. Okay. Let me, let me just, let me just get that out of the way. Hydrangeas, pretty easy to grow. The, the um, Arboretum actually has a whole garden where they have tested, has tested hydrangeas. I strongly suggest anyone looking at hydrangeas, go out to that test site and look at the hydrangeas. They planted a wide variety they watered them, and then they pretty much left them alone. So you can see what they do by themselves. And it's really great to see what's going, what looks good, what looks bad, what color the flowers are, how big are they really going to get. It's a mm-hmm. wonderful thing. Hydrangeas are easy to grow. What's the other question? And then? the other question, like daylilies. Um, I was saying about daylilies, you see these very prolific around a lot of uh, parkways and public areas are bright yellow. Yep. And what are which variety they are? I looked at this, one of the retail places, and they have a Stella de Oro. That's the Stella de Oro. It's the one you're going to see. That's the golden yellow. The buttery yellow is the Happy Returns, and there's a red one that I don't know what it is. But those are wonderful. They're re-blooming daylilies, so you deadhead them, and they will keep blooming all summer. And the Stella is the one you've most seen most everywhere. Star of Gold. Star of Gold. Okay. See, yeah. Danny knows everything. That? Well, no. I, just, I knew there was. Yeah, it is Stella Golden. Okay. Very good. Cool. Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's do this, Teresa. Let's break. We have another half hour of the show to go. So, folks on the line, don't go away. Uh, and textures, we're going to pick up on those questions, too. We're not going to leave you out. So, hang in there. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO Around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. This morning, we're joined by Master Gardener Teresa Rooney answering your phone calls and text messages, your lawn and garden type uh, messages. And, you know, in fact, well, let's do this. Let's grab a couple of calls, and I want to talk about the Arboretum. Okay. We may. Let's do that. Uh, who's been waiting? It would be Robert in Northfield. Uh, Robert, you are on CCO. Hi, Robert. Hi, Teresa. Um, I have some wonderful tomatoes growing uh, in these grill boxes, but I've taken two off now with the black bottom rot. Yep. What uh, I read were... Part of the problem was uneven watering, mm-hmm. and I'm going to try and take care of that. But what, what else could I possibly do? Okay, so what it is, it's, it's called blossom end rot. It's an issue with the calcium when the tomato was being created by the plant when it was developing the tomato. Um, and, and as you uneven water your, your new tomatoes, some of the roots will die from overwatering mm-hmm. or underwatering. So you have less roots to bring up the calcium that's in the soil 
for the plant to make the tomato. So the plant's making the tomato, and it says, oh, I'm running out of calcium. Calcium. I'm just going to fudge it. So it makes all the tomato except the one way at the bottom, and then that's where the rot starts. You can just cut that off, eat the rest of the tomato. Usually it doesn't happen on the small tomatoes. It doesn't happen on the ones that grow, um, that harvest, uh, ripen later in the season because your plants are more established. Um, so next year, all you have to do is make sure you do the even watering. That will really help plant the plants in the ground. That helps. You can also do a calcium spray right on the little blossoms if you know you've been a bad waterer and that's happening. Um, and just grow the smaller tomatoes. That will really happen or the ones that ripen later. Um, the next batch of tomatoes you get from the plant will be just fine. All right. Blossom and rot, the dreaded blossom and rot. Let us go to Hugo. Diane has been waiting there. Diane, you're on with Teresa. Hi, Diane. Yes, hi. I have some normally healthy lilac bushes that all of a sudden the leaves are all turning brown and falling off. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if something is going around with these lilac bushes. They're certainly getting enough water. Mm-hmm. I would I would look at two different things. Um, how did the leaves turn brown? Did they look wilty first, or did they suddenly just crisp up and, and start to twist? If it's just like on one side of the plant and they're just kind of crisping up really fast, it could be an herbicide drift. If it sort of looked like a whole branch wilted and then it's drying up and dying, um, there's probably some kind of borer in that branch. And so you want to look at the whole stem till you can find the little hole. And then we have borers that get into the lilacs. And again, I would just then go to the um, to the website, uh, extension.umn.edu, and click on the yard and garden line, uh, garden tab, and look and um, figure out when to treat those borers for the lilacs. Um, if the branch is dead, cut it out because you don't need to be looking at that. Um, but you can also see if it's dead by cutting toward the end. Just cut off the end. Brown wood means it's dead. If you see green wood in there, it means it will come back again to life. All right, very good. We are answering your lawn and garden questions today as usual on the Smart Garden Show. Call in your question or text it. Same number, 651 651- Nine eight nine nine two two six. This is uh, Teresa. So far, our only lawn question. So far. So far. When should I? Texter says, seed all the bare spots on my lawn. If I wait till fall, then I feel like raking leaves interferes with growing the seeds. Mm-hmm. Well, then you already had the answer to this because well, you know this. You guys have taught us that <laughs> basically from the middle of August to the middle of September, so the middle roughly. Of September. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you want to make sure you're getting the seed that is the correct seed for your location, sunny dry, shady, whatever it is. You want to get the correct seed type and um, follow the instructions. And you just don't toss it in your yard. You just don't toss it. You want to have really good seed-to-soil contact. Uh, If you can imagine a square inch of bare soil, you want five seeds in there. That's as many seeds as Mm. you want. So that's about how thick you want to do it. You do it much thicker than that, you're gonna, they're going to crowd each other out. Interesting. And then you water frequently, lightly, because you just need to keep those seeds damp. You need to keep the soil damp because the water will break the seed coat and, have, and start the seed growing, start the seed to germinate. You want to also have really good seed-to-soil contact, so you want to rake it up really good, cut your other grass a little short because you won't be able to mow there till that grass is big enough to mow. Mm-hmm. And um, you want to press those seeds right onto the soil. And you'll have more time to rake later on. And you'll have on. plenty of time to rake <laughs> later on. And you don't have to rake. You know, you can just mow and mulch those leaves into the soil, a lot of those, or blow them into the garden. Sure. Uh, a texter says this, cukes are loaded with flowers. Picked a few, but leaves are turning yellow. What happened? 
Um, it, it could be you could have some kind of fungal disease going on there. It could have been broken by some wind. Uh, just I guess I would just hope for the best. Also, I would go to the extension website and see if I've missed something on that. Extension.umn.edu. Click on the Yard and Garden tab and then or Lawn and Yard and Garden. And then go into cucumbers and um, problems with cucumbers. It'll talk you right through it. You can call in your Lawn and Garden question at 651-989-9226. I see a line is open if you want to use it. Uh, or uh, send uh, Teresa a text. Same number, 651-989-9226. Uh, Texture says this, have you heard of deer eating hydrangeas and cucumber plants? They can, yeah. Deer will eat anything. Um, some plants are resistant. Um, some plants the deer will just eat even if they're never supposed to eat them. If they're hungry, they'll try it. And Yeah, so just protect your, your plants. You know, put out some um, fragrant uh, repellents, uh, some fencing works. Uh, there's wonderful ideas out there for critter yeah. control. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texter says, I'm uh, outstate Minnesota. I have a lot of success growing Asiatic lilies, irises, uh, sedums, and daylilies. But whenever I plant Shasta daisies or cornflowers, they do not overwinter. Are there uh, Shasta daisies or cornflowers that are more hardy than others? You know, you should. They should be overwintering, and they should be self-seeding. So, if, make sure that you're leaving them up, so that if they do so, that they can self-seed. That you're not deadheading them. That will really help. Um, you know, I grew up in northern Minnesota, and we had the cornflowers. Now, the cornflowers, um, the the cornflowers will will self-seed. They're an annual. There's also um, another one that we always called blue cornflowers. It's a blue, mountain bluet that w- is a perennial, and that one can self-seed too. Um, but those, both of those grew up just fine. So there, there are some varieties out there that will grow just fine. All right. Yeah. Good. Tell you what, let's go back to the phones. I believe Steve is calling from uh, North Oaks uh, with a question. Uh, go ahead, Steve. You're on CCO. Hi, Steve. Hey, good morning. Say, I've got a couple big oak trees that are just—they're beautiful trees, but they started losing their leaves, and it looks like one—one one is actually dying. Um, folks in my neighborhood have started to mention oak wilt. Mm. When's the best time to remove those trees and? Can they infect other trees in my um, yard? That's a really good question. Um, you really don't want to be doing much with oaks right now. Um, I would sort of get, definitely talk to a certified arborist because if they're big trees, you're going to want somebody professionally to remove those anyway. And what happens is if a tree is infected, elm trees with Dutch elm or an oak tree with oak wilt or other things like that, that infection, as the roots of the trees grow together, they actually graft together. So it kind of makes a net underground. And that infection can actually spread from one tree to another. So when you cut down the infected trees, the the infection actually goes faster into the trees that aren't showing the infection yet. So so you sometimes sometimes they can cut all the roots, but you have to go down, you know, six feet for that. So um, I would definitely talk to a certified arborist in this situation to see what's going on. Always a good idea if, when if you have can, some major trees yeah, like that. Anything. Yeah. If you have to get on the ladder to do any cutting, yeah. that's a certified arborist. If it's a big tree that's important to you, that's a certified arborist. Yep. We've got a lot of good ones here. Yeah, we do. We do. Area. We're really lucky. You yep. know? Yeah. Texter says this, Teresa, our bleeding heart plants blossomed wonderfully. In the spring, but the leaves have all turned yellow. Yep. Any suggestions? That's normal. The old-fashioned bleeding heart is a nice, uh, bigger perennial. 
it is a spring ephemeral. So what happens is once it's up and growing, it blossoms, it gets some nutrition into its leaves. We get into the hot period of the summer and it kind of dies down. If it's in a really shady or protected location, lots of times it will stay green all summer. But for the most part, most of them, the old-fashioned ones will just die down in the summer. That's totally normal. Once the leaves get yellow and look kind of awful, you can cut it back so it doesn't look icky for you. Okay, back to the phones we go. Bob is calling in from Hamlet. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Bob. Hi. I'm curious as to how often to core aerate my lawn. Mm, you know, it, it depends on, on how much lawn, uh, how much use your lawn gets, um, how how um, compacted it is, what it's looking like health-wise. If it's never been aerated, then I'd probably do it maybe every two years for a, a one or two times, like, you know, or then, then just back off maybe every three to five years. It really depends on how much your yard gets used and how much compression you're putting on that soil. So um, as usual with master gardening, my answer is it depends. And, <laughs> and, and just, yeah, and just do the coration. That's where they actually pull up the cores and it looks like ducks or somebody was having a cigar party on your lawn. I like to, well, I don't do it every year, but mm-hmm. uh, I, th- I think you're right. I think uh, every, every couple three, years, every if, couple if, years, if you have clay soil like we do, that's then that's, then you can do it yeah. more often. Yeah, if yeah. you're in the city and you never have done it, you know, rent one and share with your neighbors and just have an aeration afternoon and aerate the whole block. And you know, if you've done it, you know, three or four times every two or three years, you're probably going to be okay to back it off a little yeah. bit. But, you know, if the kids are playing football out there and running like little maniacs, no, you've got you've to do it probably Open that often. up. Mm-hmm. Uh, good morning, Texter says, uh, I'm new to gardening. We live near Welcome. Mankato. My tomato plant started out strong, but after the heavy rains and heat waves last couple of weeks, half of my plants have started to wither. Some plants have their leaves curled. Some are yellow, spotty. Uh, on mm-hmm. the bottom stems, I don't know uh, what yep. many uh, what what many possibilities it could be. My father put potatoes in containers near the tomatoes, and they begun to yellow with brown spots mm-hmm. from the bottom too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it goes on, it, but you it get the idea. It sounds like a fungal. It sounds like it's got some fungal disease. Um, what I would do is is next year, you know, go to the website extension.umn.edu and look under tomatoes. And what you want to do when you plant your tomatoes in the spring, and if you can rotate the families of your crops every three years. That's wonderful. So you plant your tomatoes in the late spring when the ground is warm. You water them well. as Then you put on your cages. This is all taking place on the same day. And then you put a mulch around the tomatoes. So there's a barrier between the tomatoes and the soil. As those tomatoes grow and you get your first tomato blossom, that level of leaves and one level of leaves below, keep those leaves. Everything else you strip off, you, you cut off. So you have little tomato trees out there. So that's a big space between the tomato leaves and the soil. That even gives more air circulation so you get fewer fungal diseases. And there's not as much chance as water splashing up from the ground. When you water, you always water the soil. The soil and the roots are what needs the water. The tomato leaves do not need the water. That's good to know. So hopefully that will work and space your tomatoes and... The joys of tomatoes. We'll uh, take a break on that note and be right back. We have more callers to help out and texters as well. So stay with us on our Smart Garden Show. You're on News Talk A3OWCCO.
And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, helping you out. Teresa, we've got so many text messages. Excellent. And callers as well. Let's keep those, get those folks who have been waiting uh, quite a while Sounds like a plan. on the line. Let's talk to Chuck, who is calling from uh, Blaine, I believe. Chuck, you're on with Teresa. Hi, Chuck. Hi. Hi. Uh, I'm a dahlia grower. I've got about 100-plus dahlias. Uh, uh, and about a dozen of them have been killed with a fungal rot right at the stem, right at the ground level. I know that uh, boars are always a suspect, but we've dissected uh, many stems and can't find any evidence of any kind of critter insect in there. Hmm. Uh, there's no nothing left behind uh, right. that a boar would do. And uh, I just wondered whether they had another idea, whether it's the spring weather or... Okay. Is there some kind of fungal thing that uh, would attack a stem right at mm-hmm. ground level? You, the rod on a, on a smaller plant is only about an inch long. But I've had some three feet high that also get hit, and it, it just kills the plant. What do you think, wow. Teresa? That, I'm, I'm not a dahlia grower. I worship you dahlia growers because the things you do are amazing. Um, but that's way too much work for me. Um, I would, first of all, maybe go to the website, extension.umn.edu. I would also contact the Minnesota Dahlia Society. See if they have any ideas. I would also look to see what the conditions are in the soil. Um, Are those roots all rotted? Is there a root rock going on that works its way up? Um, That I don't know, and I don't have a definitive answer for you. Um, I I hope, good, wish you good luck, and make sure that you're you're moving your plants if you can, and try to think: Is this happening all in one area? Is it happening to a specific dahlia? Um, a bunch that you're growing, did you get all of those from one location, from one source? Could you have gotten a bad source of dahlias with some something funky going on? Is it hitting all the same type of dahlias? So try to think some of those things through if you can see any other, um, any other connecting factors there. But I don't have a good answer. I'm sorry. Let's talk to Jean, who's calling in from Egan this morning. Good morning, Jean. Hi, Jean. Hi, good morning. Um, I've got a crab apple that's about 30 years old, and every year we have to trim it back. We have to spray it for, for um, crab apple. I can't remember the blight that it gets. Mm-hmm. And we've babied that. We've trimmed it. We've spent hundreds of dollars on it, actually, and it's getting really lopsided, like really heavy on one side and kind of thin on the other because there is an oak tree on one side mm-hmm. that kind of blocks the sun. We've gone so far as to actually trim that oak tree in the winter time to uh, provide more sunlight on that side of the tree. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, do these things kind of just have, um, I don't know, I don't know if we have to cut it down at some point because it's starting to... It's just getting so heavy on one side. Or mm-hmm. can you, I read online that you can only cut, like, trim back, like, one quarter of that tree at a time. Right. And you should wait two right. years. So yeah, you I, you have to kind of look look at, at the situation. The oak tree's not going to get any smaller. So the oak tree is going to keep getting bigger. It's going to keep infringing on the light for that tree. So that's, this is going to be an ongoing situation. Um, if the tree was by itself, it probably would be just fine. But it's just getting not enough sun. The oak is just taking over. You are only supposed to trim out about a quarter of a tree at a time because that needs its nutrition to wake up the roots, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So you may just have to decide, do I care if the tree looks lopsided? 
If I don't, then leave the tree. Uh, if if it just is really bothering me, it may be time to make one cut where you just cut the tree and you put something else there or you put in a garden there instead. Um, mm-hmm. Save the tr- the wood of the tree, you know, use it in your barbecues, use it as mulch, um, give it to a woodworker and have something made to honor the tree if you'd like to. Um, but, but the tree itself is always just going to be in that situation. The tree can't move. The tree can't get more sun. So you can cut down the oak tree. You could cut down the crab apple. You could decide to let them grow together and do the best they can. Um, It's up to you at this point. Okay. Sorry, I don't have a good definitive because it's your decision. We have one time for one more caller. Bob in Oakdale. What's your question, Bob? Hey, Bob. Bob is gone. Oh, no. Well, in that case, we have tons of text messages. Okay, let's jump on the text. I have one zucchini texter says, it is buds, but no zucchini. Must be a female not getting pollinated, maybe. I have some bees mm-hmm. around, but they must be not doing their job. <laughs> or or it just hasn't. It, there's no, you have to have the male and the female flowers. So if you're only seeing male flowers or only seeing female flowers, that could be an issue, too. Why are, Texter says, my uh, uh, tomatoes all green but so few blossoms and fruit this year? It depends on which tomatoes you're growing. We had a lot of of shady, shady days, so they didn't get the sun. So they may just suddenly ripen. So it depends on which tomato you're growing and how it's reacting to the weather conditions. Kind of a similar text as earlier. I have four acorn squash plants. They look great. Lots of males, no females. Just yesterday I saw one small female starting. How come? Because pl- squash plants, all these these plants are saying, hey, let's do a whole bunch of male plant, male flowers because they're not, they don't take as much energy for the plant. We'll get the bees interested. Mm-hmm. Then when the bees are finally coming over to pollinate, then we'll put out some female flowers so that they can pollinate. So your first batch is always going to be a bunch of males to attract the bees, mm-hmm. and then you'll have the mix of male and female. Texter wants to know, would slugs chew a hole in the stems of hostas? Uh, something makes a hole in the stem, then the stem breaks at that point. Usually, they say, as Texter says, slugs attack the leaves, but could this be something other than slugs? Probably something other than slugs. Probably some little beetle or caterpillar or something, yeah. Okay. Speaking of daylilies, which we were a bit ago, is there such a thing as a dwarf daylilies to limit size of the plant? Yes, I have seen oh, the little dwarf ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. You're just knocking these out real. This is called a lightning round. <laughs> and let's see. Dog, here's a lawn question. Dog spots are yellowing uh, grass. How to improve it, remove the spot, and reseed? Thank you. I did this in spring. Okay. Um, dogs and lawns are a tough combination like dogs and trees. The dog is over-fertilizing those areas. So you can teach your dog to grow to go um, in one area on, on mulch. That will help you. Otherwise, you can water profusely after your dog pees. That's not going to happen. So in the spots, you're just going to have to rake them up, rake up, add some compost, and reseed. That is what you do with dog spots. And before you take your leave today, let's Ex- tell folks how to get on the uh, the extension. website. Extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden Garden tab. Um, we have a survey on there so you can talk to us about what you need, what we haven't been, what we have been doing right. Hmm. And then go out to the Arboretum and their uh, home demonstration garden has all kinds of cool gardens, including a garden that has minimal bunnies. Oh. Minimal bunnies. Minimal bunny food. Great place, the Arboretum. Teresa, always a pleasure. Thank thanks you. for Thanks Thank for coming you. in. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.